Okay. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. I'm Kelly. And I'm Liz. And we are starting, this is the first episode of the Salad Bowl podcast. Yes. So we're going to talk about everything. All of our favorite subjects. That we literally talk about all the time, in the car, in the kitchen. We force people to have these conversations (laughs) with us. Yes. Because they are trapped in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're covering everything from true crime, paranormal, urban legends, and then some conspiracy theories that link back into urban legends, paranormal, cryptids, true, true crime. Yes. Our favorite subject. Yeah. So I think this week we're going to try and cover to the best of our ability the Amityville house. The Amityville horror. Which is funny because you grew up living through it, seeing it. Um well, okay, not that old. Not that old, but, but like, my mother is very into true crime and the paranormal. And so I remember her telling me about the Amityville house. As a small child and how awful it was and nobody, like, it's like, nobody wanted to go, everyone goes there, but nobody wants to, like, stay because of the awful things that happened. And it's funny because this is almost, it's close to home for me because I grew up in New York, not Long Island. I was on the other side of the state, but we still talked about this even when I was little. And one of the things that I think we want to talk about, too, is. The where the house is located. Yes, we definitely want to go into the house location. Um, you want me to go ahead and start with that? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we got a picture of it from Google Maps. Okay, we looked it up on Zillow, too, because it was for sale in 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the house is originally built in 1927. It's a five-bedroom, three-bath, Dutch colonial-style house. Um, hold on. Its original address was 112 Ocean Avenue, but as of recent years, it is 108 Ocean Avenue for those of you, like us, who want to go to Zillow and check it out. There are no photos inside the house on Zillow, which we were a little bit disappointed about, but if you Google the address on, like, Google, you can find you it. can see all the inside of the and house. The updates are really nice. Oh, yeah, they put, like, modern updates in them. But I think one thing, too, talking about the location is... When I always heard about it, I always thought it was far away. They were not close neighbors. Mm-hmm. But it's not. We and were shocked that, like, we envisioned this house. And I've seen both the Amazon movies. I know you haven't seen them. But I envisioned, like, this long, windy road to get back there. And it's so secluded. And it's not. And there's no neighbors. And it's not. It's actually. It's like a normal almost yeah. like neighborhood. Like, you can see your neighbor's house. Oh, yeah. They definitely knew their neighbors. Um, they only, and I thought that they had tons of acreage. They don't. They have a quarter acre of land. Like, it's literally, like, a sliver on the waterfront. And, like, it's a beautiful home. Like, it's almost ideal, like, like, a dream land. Yeah, because they have, the house itself is 3,600 square feet. They have a detached garage, a boathouse. It's waterfront property. They have a dock, a patio, on a boat dock because they did have a boat. Yeah. And at one point, there was a pool there. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there's a pool. And they the DeFeos built a pool yeah. after they moved in. So, a paradise. Everything like, you could want. Yeah. I mean, the DeFeos named it High Hope. Yeah, they did name it High Hope, so they moved in. 
So do you want to talk about the DeFeos for a minute? Yeah. I okay. guess we want to cover the true crime yeah, before we cover paranormal. Yes, because this did come first. Okay. I don't have the date when the DeFeo family moved in, but the DeFeo family consisted of their father, Ronald DeFeo Jr. I mean, senior, senior. excuse me. Um, he was 43. Uh, his wife, the mother of the family, Louise DeFeo, she was 42. They have an eldest son, Ronald. They called him Ronnie, but most people called him Butch DeFeo Jr. He was 23. They had a daughter, Dawn. She was 18. Another daughter, Allison, who was 13. Their son, Mark, was 11. And their youngest son, John Matthew, was 9. And like we said, they called their house High Hopes. Um, the DeFeo family was second-generation Italian-Americans. Um, that comes into play later. Um, okay. And we have heard reports that the DeFeo family was a loving, caring family. That but everything was fine. We've also heard that Mr. DeFeo was really abusive. We've heard that Mr. DeFeo was horribly abusive to his children and to his wife. But some of these things, like, we, it was very frustrating to research this case because a lot of it goes back and forth and none of it's really consistent. So we're going to address the things that are not consistent throughout this podcast and the things that we find that are consistent, like, obviously, names, ages, we won't debate about, but... As far as Mr. DeFeo being a violent man towards his family? I can't really make a decision because in the one documentary we watched together, the neighbor even said he never laid a hand on anybody. Mm-hmm. We watched the um, the, real the True Story, story. Season 1, Episode 4, the entitled... Story. The Real Story. Oh, The Real Story? The Real Story. Oops, not right then. So, the, yeah. so it's The Real Story, Season 1, Episode 4, entitled The Amityville Horror... They interviewed a neighbor who was in between the daughters. No, he was 14. So he was between Don and Allison in age, but played with all the DeFeo kids. Yeah, because... According to him, the family was loving, caring, kind. Nothing would ever happen. The neighbors never reported them fighting. Um, Nothing like that. I know one of the news footage we watched from the 70s, too, did not say anything about loud fights. And now, if there were loud fights, looking at the proximity (laughs) of the neighbors... They would have heard it because they're close. We screaming. We are currently in Atlanta, so our houses are a little bit more spread out. I'm originally from California, so I'm used to houses being very, very close. These houses are not as close as a California house would be, but But definitely more spread out than I think we are. So they're not as spread out as I am currently. No, but with where I was when I was up in New York, is that normal? It was a little bit normal. Like you had. A good distance between the houses but when you're down the street you could still hear if like the kids were out playing and like yelling because it was loud mm-hmm. and people could hear you sometimes in the house like even though like the soundproofing has gotten so much better, better. you might not necessarily hear it but back and this then, house was built in 1927 so the insulation wouldn't be blocking it as much no because I know we have that problem in my house now. Mm-hmm. Some of the rooms don't have super great insulation. And that's a new so house. Yes. So, because okay. we're doing the basement. And I can hear them banging in the basement. Mm-hmm. But in the one new bedroom, you don't hear it as much. Because we put in so much insulation to just block it. Mm-hmm. Because it's a bedroom. Okay. So people would have heard them yelling. Mm-hmm. We also, I also, we also came across 
across, excuse me, also came across reports of it was not Mr. DeFeo who was the violent, outrageous one, but their son, Butch. Butch was violent towards family members. He had a violent temper, threatened friends with guns, had psychiatric problems, um, which I, I heard that he did and did not get help for. And yes, he abused substances, LSD, um, heroin. In the interview we watched with him on YouTube, also he said I was on crack. So that is true. They, they have reported that he was using illegal substances. Yes. But as far as him being a violent person, the same thing. I don't know. No. And it's I don't not think, consistent at all. And even his story changes. Well, his go from saying he and his dad were best friends to they hated each other. Yeah, my dad was a monster. So, and obviously doesn't blame himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the man is um, currently, currently in Yeah, he's incarcerated. Okay, so the story of the DeFeo family actually starts Wednesday, November 13th, 1974, around 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, I'm going to say this version is the one I hear all the time, is that Butch DeFeo was at home. And I guess I have to talk about what he says happened. He says that he has two different versions. He says that he heard a voice telling him to kill everyone in the house. But then he also says he heard his parents' voice telling him to kill everybody. Which I feel like is almost the same thing because it's still yeah. like hearing a voice that's not your own. Mm-hmm. But but your parents' versus not your own is kind of big. And your parents versus someone that you haven't never heard of. Yeah. Is the two different things, but I think consistently it's he was hearing voices. Okay, but even that's not consistent. Like, that, we don't know for sure that he heard voices. That's true. Because he changed his story. He changes his story a lot about what happened and why and who was involved. But anyway, at some point, at around 3 o'clock that morning, he got up and first shot his father in the head and killed him. Shot his mother then. Walked down to the... And this is a three-story house, so I'm not going to say walk down to, because I don't know where these bedrooms are located. But went into his brother's room. His two younger brothers shared a bedroom. And that's supposed to be on the second floor. Mm-hmm. The second floor. And shot both these little boys that were 11 and 9 years old. Killed them. And last went into his sister's room and shot both of them in the back of the head and killed them. He then, so and he will say that he then cleaned up. He took a shower, um, changed his clothes, got ready for work. He went to work at 6 a.m., and I've heard different stories of he stayed at work all day, he worked half a day, he called the house, he was hanging out with friends. Anyway, at 6 o'clock, he somehow makes it to a bar called Henry's Bar. Yeah, I have Harry. Is it Harry or Henry? I think it's Harry. It's Harry's Bar. He comes flying in the door and starts screaming about how somebody has killed his mother and father. I did leave out that he was taking drugs um, either that night and during that day. So anyway, he comes busting into this bar screaming, my, you know, my mother and dad, my mother and father have been shot. So they all go to the house. They end up calling the cops. And the cops go in and obviously find all six people and his family have been murdered. They've all been shot in the head. Here's what's weird. They're all in their beds, face down, shot in the head. 
Okay, now do you sleep with your face in the pillow? I, I personally do not sleep on my stomach. I do sometimes, but normally I'm like on my side, but my face is like sideways, not face down necessarily. And well, I, I don't, weird. I'm going to say face down. I mean, who knows? Okay, but see. I think the photos we saw though of both they're parents, all they're face, all face, face down. down. Every single person in that family was face down on those pictures. And they have done, during the autopsy, they did run for drugs, like a drug test to see if they had any sleeping meds in their system. Because how do you get six people that lie face down and shoot them? And without one of them waking up. And that's another thing. There's no evidence that any of these people woke up. Which I did also find, every now and then I heard that Mrs. DeFeo and um, Allison woke up. But then again, the, I don't think that matches because how are you face down then? There's no way they woke up and was like, what are you doing? And then the, he got them to lay face down and shoot them back the head. Because if someone was trying to, I would not lay with my head down because that's literally a death sentence. Yeah. You would think that they would have defensive wounds. Yeah, there's no defensive wounds. And if you're up, you're not getting shot in the back of the head. There's no, like, you're not going to lay down. You're going to get shot in the chest, in the, in the front of your head. The only reason I think that they would have been shot in the <clears> head in the back of the head, is if they were running away. But then there would have been blood, blood in the, hall in the or hallway whatever. or in the stairs in another room. And there wasn't. They were all in their beds and all the blood was in the beds. And so, yeah, how do six people not wake up? Okay, let's talk about the gun, too, because um, Kelly knows a little bit about guns and I don't. It's a, um, is it .35 caliber? .35. Oh, excuse me. My bad, like I said. .35 caliber caliber. Marlin rifle. And you're telling me rifles are really loud guns. Now, it depends on the caliber. And okay. as the caliber gets bigger, generally the the shot gets louder. Okay. So how big is a 35 compared to whatever? It's I mean like is I that would, a big size like you're saying? Maybe about like that. Okay. It's, it's not that big. You can. Okay, and that's a bigger pen. That's like an actual fountain pen she's showing yeah. me. I have a ballpoint pen and it's not anywhere near that size. Because a 22 is like really, really skinny. Okay. And like real teeny tiny. And then okay. it like will get bigger. And we can post bullet sizes up. Oh, too, let's do that. Because we're going to post pictures, anyways. Um, but even with headphones on, it's still pretty loud when you shoot a gun. Like, there's a... Sorry, that was a dog. <laughs> it's a pretty good bang. Okay. But people who aren't wearing headphones, that's loud. So, like, I would say if you... Because I've had it and my headphone was not on the right way. And my ear rang a little bit. Okay, so sleeping nine-year-olds would definitely wake up. You would wake up. The neighbors should have woke up. And it's funny because the neighbors report to the police when the police do end up on the scene. No gunshots fired, but the dog was barking. Yeah. Which is also weird because they definitely should have heard it. And now, like, if we're talking about, like, hearing too, Ronnie or Butch DeFeo, his ears should have been ringing. Because if he let out six seven shots yeah at least and i i've read different accounts of how many shots were actually fired yeah there is a minimum of six obviously his ears should have been i mean and don't quote me on this because like i don't exactly know but he might have had trouble hearing the next morning 
I would have. That would make sense. And people who leave and come back from the army or military or act in active duty, most of them have hearing problems in one or both ears. It's kind of interesting. I'm thinking about it. And I don't know if they interviewed people at work when he went to work, but they would have probably noticed that he was having trouble hearing, right? If he was having trouble, trouble hearing, hearing, yeah, they, they should have because he would have asked you to repeat something. Interesting. And in, in my opinion, his ears probably would have been ringing. Okay. Because I don't think he would have been wearing headphones. And I'm also not familiar with that firearm. Mm-hmm. And some rifles are single shot. Because I'll have to look it up because I don't know offhand, but I've seen, like, lever-action rifles, and, like, sometimes you have a single shot, sometimes you have a longer magazine, so, and depending on the size of the magazine, he might have had to reload in between. Okay, and according to sources, the murders took place from about 3 o'clock until 3.15. He killed six people in 15 minutes. Which is totally doable. If, I think it's, it's if for whatever doable. reason they are not moving out of their beds, because yeah. you just walk from room to room. Yeah, and the house, like, well, it's big. It's not ginormous. Yeah, it's not rooms. spread out. You're only going to three different rooms, but the family should have woke up. Yeah, you that's a loud bang. That's loud. And you know, like I, I have a five-year-old son. If you hear that, they're gonna get up. They're going to know what, what's going on. They're not going to stay in their rooms. I hear him get up. Yeah. They're not. No. Um, so so when they, the cops come, they investigate. We saw photos of them even checking the pool for more evidence. They had full-on scuba diving gear on and searching the pool, parts of the lake. Like, they do not know why. And they don't know why this one member of the family is alive. And I originally didn't think he was a suspect. No. I left out how he did when he went to work dispose of his clothes in the gun. And I have heard multiple accounts of what happened to the gun. Yes. So the police, um, when they're investigating the house, supposedly found a gun box with the right, it was the right gun for the um, ammunition they found in the bodies. In his closet. I also heard they found the gun in the closet. I heard that he threw the gun in a ravine. He threw the gun in the lake. I don't know. But they did find something that indicated that he was probably a suspect. Now, did they have a gun during, like, the court hearing? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if they found the gun. Because I feel like if they had found the gun, that would have been huge news. Yeah. Everyone would have known. I, I'm going to go no, because I... D- like I said, I have found different reports of where he put the gun. So. And I know they got the, they knew what kind of gun it was because they got the, the bullets. Okay. Because one cool thing about bullets is when you fire them out of a mm-hmm. gun, they have markings. Yes. And almost, it's almost kind of like a fingerprint. Yes. So Every gun has its own fingerprint. Yes. And that's why some people, when they don't want to get caught, They'll file out the inside. Shh, don't be telling people that. <laughs> don't do that. That's illegal. Yeah, don't do that. That's bad, Kelly. <laughs> okay, so Ronnie Shower, like, so they they finally take him in for questioning. Where were you? What's going on? What's your alibi? Like, why weren't you? Why are you alive? Like, why is everyone dead but you? 
Um, that's when Ronnie starts telling, I mean, Ronnie or Butch, like I said, people go both ways. I was going to call him Butch, now I just called him Ronnie. Um, Butch. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> people go both ways. I was under um, the impression his name was Butch, and then I did lots of research for this, and people were calling him Ronnie, too, and, you know, going both ways. So, they take him in, they're questioning him. His first story, he tells police, is, well, like, there was this mafia hitman. And, like, he came in and he held a gun to my head and I had to kill everybody. What? Okay. His next story is even better. It may be my favorite. His next story is that his dad had a fight with his sister that, like, that night. His yeah. oldest, I mean, not his older sister, excuse me. His sister that's closest in age with him, Don. She's 18. They had a fight. And Butch and Don decided they, they had to get rid of him. So they together decided they were going to kill their parents. So they go in the bedroom, and Butch cannot kill his father. But Don takes the gun and shoots their mother. Wait, did I say that wrong? No. They sh- excuse me. Let's delete that. Don takes the gun and shoots their father. Their mother then wakes up and is like, what are you doing? And so the mother takes the gun from the daughter and sh- and shoots her. Shoots Dawn. So mom kills the daughter. Um, then mom is so mad that you guys killed dad and now I have to kill Dawn that she goes into the other kids' rooms and shoots them. And then um, Butch is so mad that he takes the gun from his mother and shoots his mother. That would leave... His mom, not face down on the bed, uh-huh. and Don should have been dead on the pants floor, mm-hmm. not in her bed. Well, there's another story too that they committed the murders together, and then at the very end they're struggling over the gun, and he accidentally shoots Don and kills her. But I don't understand why did they kill their siblings? And we talked about how. When people, when children kill their parents, it's extremely rare. And usually it's just one parent. And for them to wipe out a whole family? Normally a family annihilator is the father. Mm-hmm. In most, ca- in most cases. And, like, there's always an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which this seems to be the exception. But normally, if you have a family annihilator, it's man. And it's the father. Mm-hmm. So, and he didn't necessarily have a reason to kill his younger brother. Okay. Do we want to talk about the... Okay. So, the police do arrest him. Um, but the question, big question the police have is, yeah, did he work alone? Did he work alone? And then, next reason, Why? Why do you kill your whole family? And their, um, I guess, hypothesis is for insurance. And apparently, the only place I could find about, we found two things about insurance. Mm -hmm. One, I found that he only asked about his father's policy. So I don't even know if there's policies taken out on everybody or just the parents. I know that I have a life insurance policy that okay. my mom has on me. Mm-hmm. 
But if something happens to me, it goes to my sister's. Mm -hmm. And I know that she has a life insurance policy. Okay. And that would go to us. Yes. But I have no idea how much my life insurance policy is, how much her life insurance policy is. I know when my grandma passed, there was, like, two. But I didn't even get that much from it. Okay, because I know, like, I don't think my parents had that. I know my husband and I don't, and everyone's told him he needs to. But I know our in-laws have them on themselves, not the kids. Yeah. Like, they don't have, um, Kelly is going to be my sister-in-law soon. <laughs> and I know that our in-laws have them on themselves, but not the kids. I almost want to think, I feel like I've seen something that Michael has life insurance. Oh, do they have life insurance on them? They might. I need to be embarrassed about this. But that's not a conversation that I've had with Michael. I just, I Well, because I've had the life insurance po- conversation with my husband because we do have a small child. Um, he's never, if he does, he does not know about it, which. I know I'm going to get one mm-hmm. when I start working at some point. I'll probably have one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, like, we've done the research on them. They're very good to have. Um, my husband will not do it, will not do it, does not want to do it. I know that his uncle has offered to pay for one for him, and he will not. So, And normally you would think that life insurance in a murder investigation would almost be a motive. Because well, so many people do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I say so many people, that's a loose term, but yeah. a lot of times Sometimes. when someone kills a spouse... Wow. They are either doing it for the life insurance policy in addition to another reason, or they know that they're going to do it and they'll take out a oh, large right. life insurance mm-hmm. policy. And sometimes people who even kill their kids do that. Yes. A lot like, of people do it. They're, even with the, when people are leaving their kids in the car seats. Yes. They would take out these huge life insurance policies and then they would leave the kid in the car and the poor child would die and mm-hmm. then the family would try to or whoever did it, because sometimes it wasn't necessarily the whole family, mm-hmm. would try to collect on the life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Now, the life insurance policy payout, which I don't think he... Like I said, he asked about his father's policy to a cop. But the life insurance policy payout total was $200,000. I would say that's not worth it. For six people... I mean, back then it was probably... It's a little bit more. There's a difference. That was 74. But to kill your whole family, I don't I, think I, I guess could. you could even argue I killed both parents for the money. I don't want to take care of the kids. I don't want to share with the, with the kids either, but, but... But these are people he has bonds with, you know? Yeah. And he probably would have been in charge of the money. Yeah. Well, no, Don would have been in charge. They're both... And she's 18. But he would have been, I would think, in charge, or he would have been, like, executor of the will. Yeah, he's the oldest child. he would have had some control. Okay, and those are the only motives that they can find. Oh, excuse me, I didn't talk about the second motive. The second motive is the domestic violence between his father and his mother. Did his father beat his mother? I don't know. I wasn't there. I hate to say, yes, that's 100% true. Okay, but if that is the motive, that brings up another excellent point. You wouldn't kill your mom. You wouldn't kill your mom. You would only kill your father. So what is the motive for the rest of the family? Well, I was talking, too, about, like, I know, like, the Menendez brothers, they killed their mother because she knew about it and never helped them. But he's not saying, like, dad was violent to all the kids. There's some talk of 
the relationship with Butch and his father being violent, but never to the other kids. And that, that's that's still not reason to kill little children. Like I said, his youngest brother's nine years old. Why why do you kill a nine year old? There's no reason, especially I mean that I can think of. No, but unless you don't want, I just said the only thing I can think of is you don't want to take care of him. So pass him off onto another relative. Okay, there has to be other relatives. And guess what? He was 23 years old. You don't want a 9-year-old and, like, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old. I totally get that. You're young. You're a young person. But he also would have had Dawn to help take care of him. Because Dawn's well, 18. She's only 18, though. But technically, she would have been a legal guardian. I know. she would. They would both would have been legal guardians. And like you said, there's probably other family members, aunts, uggles, uggles cousins, grandparents, somebody, grandparents. Grandmans. <laughs> Gremlins. Um, <laughs> something to help take care of them. And granted that I don't know if that's true. They could have no, they could be just them. I don't know what their family tree is. And I mean everything with this is like it's all speculation because none of us are ever really gonna know like the whole story. Oh nobody truth. knows. Because all the stories keep changing. Oh yeah. And it's really hard to find a consistent consistent story. Okay, so obviously they are gonna charge butch with all six counts of murder um he gets a lawyer william weber who will come into play again later um so ronnie uh, butch excuse me they actually start his defense with um they're going to go for an insanity defense because there's no way in your right mind you six you there's no way in your right people. people of your family um um, that they tried to do that for him. It did not work. Um, he ultimately was convicted of six counts of second degree murder, and he received six life sentences for his crimes. Now he is eligible per, for parole. He's been up for parole. I don't know how many times, but every time they deny it. So he is still in prison. Um, and his story is still changing. We've heard. I got to the point where I was frustrated when I was researching this because at one point I came across different versions of what he was telling people and not consistent versions. No. I found it twice. And you were showing me the videos on YouTube. Yeah, but, and I got really uncomfortable because at some point he accused three different people in two different stories of helping him or they're doing it, like actually naming names. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know what to think. And that's part of this whole case, too, is, like, the DeFeo case has left me with way more questions than answers. And I thought it was black and white. I thought I knew. Until I dive deep into this case, I have no idea. And essentially, we were just going down a rabbit hole to the point yes. where we were like, okay. It has to stop. We have to pause here and just, like, look at what we have. But now that the DeFeos are gone, they're no longer... In that home anymore because of this tragedy a new family moves in and that is kind of where the paranormal side for this episode comes in so the family that moves in is the Lutzes it's the Lutz family and so, they move in 13 months after the murders yes so nobody wants that house no <laughs> so Kathy is the mom. George is the stepfather. Then they have three children that are 
Kathy's children, and George will later later adopt them. Mm -hmm. And those kids are Daniel, Christopher, and Missy. And as part of the mortgage, this family bought the furniture that was inside the home for $400? Yes, they bought everything that the Theos had in the house. Because remember, they're all dead. And Butch goes to jail. There's no one to move out their stuff. Which... Why didn't the rest of the family take it? But they probably didn't want it. I don't want that. Yeah. So, they, this family lived in the house for 28 days. They moved in in December on the 18th in 1975. And they were out of that house. They fled. They didn't move out. They fled the house. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night on January 14th. 1976 and in an interview George discusses that this was only supposed to be a temporary they wanted to figure out what was happening Mm -hmm. fix it and then eventually move back in because when they toured it Kathy loved this house and they had talked about could they handle the murders in the house like would they be okay with it and they decided as a family that they would be okay with living in this house which they got for a steal. And remember, this is a five-bedroom, three-bathroom house. For this family, it was their dream home. It was. It was. And in the interviews, George will even say that Kathy's face lit up when she walked into this home. So, before the house was built, there's some things that happened on this land. Yes. So, prior to the house being built, John Ketchum practiced black magic and had a cottage a cottage on the land which would lead me to believe that he lived there or he was at least doing things that he shouldn't have been doing there which i would say he lived there if he has enough time to go there and do that he built a cottage yeah i would say you probably live in the land and when he died he requested to be buried there and we looked into where, because, like, there's the house, there's the garage, there's the boathouse, there's the pool. But there's still room for to bury a body somewhere. Yeah. I mean, people bury bodies in gardens all the time when they try to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You don't. But it happens. And Kemper buried heads underneath his mom's window in the garden. Oh, yeah. Super creepy, but... Dude, the Gacy put bodies underneath his driveway. Exactly. Like, it was in a crawl space. Yeah, in the crossface, too. Lots of them in the crossface. So there was another thing that happened on that land. The Shinnecock. I apologize if I said that wrong. She did, We did look it up. I, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> These Native American tribe, right. they had, it was described as an enclosure. I don't know what that is. An instru- well, when I think of an enclosure, I almost think of a cage. But I, I doubt <sighs> that that's what it was no i don't know i have researched him in the past i did not yeah i've researched him in the past and also the indian tribes in the past in that area i don't remember i I just know know it's not happy history yeah so within this enclosure they were housing the sick people who are mad who probably had mental illnesses Mm -hmm. and people that were left to die so there was a lot of death on that land, and the Warrens 
believe that that left the property with a dark and negative history. But wait, 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 Kelly, who are the Warrens? Adam Lorraine Warren, (laughs) who, Lorraine Warren is a clairvoyant. She's a clairvoyant medium. And Ed is one of the only non-ordained demonologists. They're paranormal paranormal investigators who are ahead of their time. They were pioneers, and that's because they started doing it in the, at least by the 70s. Yeah. If not earlier. Um... So they said that, that is a magnet for demon experiments. It's, oh my god, not experiments. Oh no, 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 spirits no. no. Not, de, they strongly discourage, and we strongly discourage experiments to do with dark magic and demonic things. Yeah, don't do that, please. Um, and the preternatural? I don't know what that is. But that was on their site. Okay, I believe So, them. they said, too, that that energy could have affected both families. And when the Warrens went to the home to get the deed for the house and some possessions for the Lutzes while they were there, uh-huh. because they were called in later by Channel 5. Yes, they were called in by but a news station. The family never returned to the house. They would not go back. No, I heard they met the Warrens, like, at, at a p- No, only places. George did. Yeah. The rest of the family didn't Yeah, no, no, it's just George. And they didn't, never went back to the house. They sold everything in the house. hmm And they moved to California. They moved across the country to get away from that house. So let's kind of talk about the things that happened with the Lutz family. Because there's... There's a lot that happened. There's a lot that happened. And I'm just going to pick some of the ones that I've seen in almost... Every article that I've seen that seemed to All be the, the consistent most stuff. consistent. So, with George, the stepfather, he would wake up at around 3.15 repeatedly, and he would hear a marching band and the furniture moving, and when he went down the stairs, the music would stop, and the living room, the furniture would be pushed to the sides, the rugs would be rolled up, yes. as if there was a marching band practicing in the house. Yes. And then he has he saw his wife turn into a 90-year-old hag and then go back. He saw her levitate off the bed. Mm-hmm. And he would wake up to the front door slamming. But when he went down, it was always closed. Like, he went to go check it. That is so scary. Like, it was shut. Like, in the middle of the night, that's horrifying. Yeah. And Kathy... She would feel being touched or embraced by something. Ew. More than once. And yes. Oh. Now, Daniel. This, I think, is almost the creepiest one. I mean, it's not super creepy, but it's the weirdest. Yes. A window closed on his fingers and smashed them flat. Yes. We watched the um, My Amityville Horror, his documentary. And, like, vivid. Like, he remembers this happening to him. They were flat. And his parents were trying to decide what to do because how do you explain that? How do you, exactly. How do you how go to the ER and go, like, my child's hands, hands are flat. flat and neither of us shut the window? And by the time they had decided to put him in the car, his fingers were fine. All the bones had healed themselves. There was no bruising, no, no. red marks, nothing. Which is super duper weird. Now, the youngest daughter, and I didn't really see anything about Christopher, the middle child, no. 
So I don't really know about any of the experiences that he might have had other than kind of the ones that the family had as a whole. Yes. Um, but Missy, she was the youngest. She had an imaginary friend that she played with, and that's how she spent most of her time in the house. And this friend's name was Jody. And Jody was described as a pig with red eyes. And the Warrens on their site, they have a whole article that you can look at. The pig was described as something that could shape shift. It could be any shape Mm -hmm. or any size. At one point, it was like as big as the house, larger than the house. And the pig claimed that no one could see her. Unless they wanted them to. So, that's super creepy. Yes. And the house, in general, has some weird things, which the family experienced as a whole. Because the last night, they all heard the marching band. Oh and the kids were being terrorized, and that is what caused them to leave. And, like, they were worried for their safety. That's mm-hmm. why they left. Yeah. So, the house would have foul odors they just smell bad Mm -hmm. yeah the toilets ended up getting weird stains and they were black and they asked um george and kathy and good morning america if it was just a plumbing issue and it wasn't they also went into detail about how many people had come to the house for things like plumbing and get into that okay so the there was a green gelatin substance that oozed from the walls and someone tried to say that it was, like, the re- finger, the residue of fingerprint powder. From the murders. From the murders. Okay. I'm sorry. That's a powder. How the heck are you going to say that that became gelatin? Even okay. if it was moist. Uh-huh. Because, in my opinion, New York can get humid, but not yeah. that humid. And like, if the you're, we're in Atlanta If now, you're on so the water, super, super it would be humid. a little bit more humid. But this is the middle of winter. It should not be humid. It's dry as heck Mm -hmm. where I lived. So I'm sure it's just as dry there. So you cannot just make gelatin with fingerprint powder and humidity. It would would go down like liquid, I would Yeah, a powder and water would make a liquid, not a gelatin-like substance. Exactly. So then they also had extreme temperature fluctuations yes and the house would be freezing and the furnace could be heard running and they called multiple multiple repairmen to come in which is expensive it's expensive and they would come out to the house and they would try to fix the issues but nothing would work like they would have the plumbing checked, the walls checked, because why are our walls oozing substances <laughs> that they shouldn't be oozing why is our furnace not working and why are there weird smells? And why the heck are our, turn, our toilets turning black? And it wasn't necessarily just the toilets. It was, it the, was first one. the All the ceramic features in the house were becoming stained black. That's so gross. So gross. Ew. Yeah. And in addition to all that stuff, the flies. Oh, my goodness. They had have hundreds of flies appear in the sewing room during the winter. Yes, there's no flies in the winter, guys. And they would go and kill all the flies. And later, there would be more yes. there. And on New Year's Day, there were hoof prints in the snow outside mm-hmm. the house. 
And that brings us back to Jody was described as a pig. With hoof claws and stuff, yeah. And oh, why don't you tell me what someone said Jody was? Oh, <laughs> Weber. Uh, William Weber, which William Weber, is who is Bush's a lawyer, attorney. He said that the pig was really a cat. The neighbor's cat. The neighbor's cat. I'm sorry. If a neighbor had a cat named Jody, I would have come forward and been like, yeah. "My cat's name is Jody." They saw the cat, and no one said that. But whatever. To each his own. And like my sister had an imaginary friend when she was little, but she was it wasn't a pig. No. Like it's any of you guys have imaginary friends? No, but I know someone had an imaginary friend, and I'm pretty sure that he named it Avocado. <laughs> so I don't know what it was. I didn't get full details, but yeah, it's not not never like the kids don't go. It's a pig. Like I said, my sister played with it for a with couple red years eyes. with red eyes. That's creepy. That's so, demonic. <laughs> the Lutzes also tried to call a priest for help. Multiple Catholic priests. And when they would call, the phone calls were either really, really fuzzy or they would cut out. Mm-hmm. Which we learned happens a lot when you're dealing with demonic cases. Yes. And when the Lutzes bought the home... They had it blessed by a priest. Mm-hmm. And on the second floor in the bedroom of the DeFeo boys, he heard a voice say, get out. And he told the Lutz family not to make it a bedroom. And that's what the sewing room was where they found all the flies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And another interesting fact that we heard in an interview with the We were the listening Warrens, to the, oh, the Secrets of the Supernatural, Supernatural on YouTube. You can look it up. The DeFeos lived there. The dad brought a priest to come bless the home from a shrine in Montreal. Mm-hmm. That is very far. Yes. That is, like, real far northern Canada. Well, and as as Catholics, we kind of know when you deal with something like that, it's hard to get help sometimes. Yes. Now, during the blessing, Ronnie Butch apparently fled the house. Yes. Now... That um, brings us to the question of what the heck, because we're gonna get there in a minute. I just want to. And we did hear too. somewhere that he wasn't the occult, but we, like I said, some of this stuff we only heard once or twice yes. in all the research we did. And the Lutzes talked to Ronnie DeFeo's lawyer about what happened and what they experienced and how that could have affected Ronnie during the murders like could that have caused him to do that like what they were experienced could that have led that and now knowing that the DeFeos had someone come in that would make me think that a couple weird things were happening in in the house yes because the Lutzes at one point did try to go help Ronnie or Butch because they they were understanding like maybe this was not your fault and now the lawyer will go back and he'll say that they lied and made these stories up over wine and well, he drags the Warrens in sometimes, too. He'll yes. say the Warrens were there, and they made the story up. But you also have to remember that he wanted to write about a book about the DeFeo murders, yes. wanted the Lutzes to come in on it, and when the Lutzes moved to California, they made the book with somebody else. They made a different book deal with another person. Yes, and that book was actually published, and the author of that book made money. Which but is... But the Lutzes 
didn't necessarily make any money. No, which is what we all know as the Amaville Horror Book by J. Anson? J. Anson, you're correct. Okay. So he got cut out of a book deal. And he he lost money. He lost money. And then it became a movie, Mm -hmm. and there have been movies since then about this. Like, he lost And they've money. remade the movie twice. Yes. And they've had movies related to it. Oh, yeah. He lost money. Now, one thing that I also want to bring up, too, is that I haven't really seen it anywhere else. I've only seen it, like, one or two places. But the Lutz families, they were not able to get a priest to come out. So they walked through the home with a crucifix saying a prayer, like the Lord's Prayer. And they heard a voice go, will you stop? <gasps> no way. Yes. Okay, because I've never heard that. Yeah, I only saw it in, like, one or two places. But after the family left, Channel 5 News wanted to conduct an investigation into the home, and they are who called Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they, if you look kind of at their books, like, we both read The Demonologist. By Ed and Lorraine. It's, like, just brushed over. Yeah. They don't really talk about it a whole lot. Okay, so I'm a big fan of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I read... Almost all of their books. Yeah, if not all of them, at least eight of their books. Um, two in which they do mention this case. But very briefly, I think the longest was 20 pages they talked about it. Um, and there is no solo book on Amityville. That is a rumor, too, that everyone hears with the Warrens. That the Warrens themselves wrote the book, The Amityville Horror. No. They do not have a book about The Amityville Horror. It is featured in two of their books. Obviously, because they were involved, and it's a huge thing. They did not write a book. They are not involved in the movie. They have not profited from this investigation. Now, I don't have this quote perfectly, because I wrote it down as a last-minute thing. But Lorraine said that whatever she experienced in that house, that she hopes that that is as close to hell as she ever gets. And she described it as evil personified. Yes. And... Another thing, during this investigation, they were taking photos and videotaping everything, and they took a photo on the second floor, and I'm pretty sure it's the young boys, like, it was the song room, it was the DeFeo's bedroom, like, the little boys, and there is a young boy on the second floor peeking out of a bedroom, and we're going to post this picture, too, and they believe that it's the one of the younger DeFeo's son, I'm not sure Um, which one it is. It's the younger one. It's the younger um, one. John, is it John Michael? John Matthew, excuse me, not John Michael. John Matthew, who was nine years old. And the picture, it it looks like it could be a nine-year-old boy. I want to say they've done research on this picture, and they have said it's a genuine picture. I'm not sure how much photo editing can be done in 1975. I'm not an expert in that, but, I mean, we talked about it. You could do it as, like, a double exposure, but, like, how much time would that take? And and it's just his head. It's not it's the rest just, of his body. I think you can see a little bit of the shoulders. Like, he's, like, peeking out, peeking out. But, like, they did not have any children during that investigation. There's, okay, and I've heard rumors that, no, that's not true. They brought a child in. I've also heard, it, heard it's not a child. It is a woman. And I was like, it's definitely a little oh, boy. boy. It's definitely a little boy. And now, if you're they're going in to investigate, why the heck would you bring... A child in there you wouldn't 
And in the middle of the night, they're not doing an investigation. They don't investigate houses during the day. No. And, like, people in the crew, like, some people are like, oh, I don't feel anything. Like, whatever. But not everybody feels any everything. No, it has to do with your, um, your level of sensitivity. And, but the, I think it was the Warrens that reported that some of the crew members were having palpitations. Yes. Like, heart palpitations. And one of the scientists from Duke... He was, like, almost inconsolable, like, freaking out. His chair fell backwards and, like, was not okay. Yeah. Like, And technically, was, you could say that. I guess was, you could argue. I didn't write it down. You could argue that they were just so hyped up from being in there. But also, if you know anyone. So yeah, exactly. And maybe he kicked the chair over himself. But the same he time, he could have been rocking back and mm-hmm. it fell over, and that would have freaked. I would have been freaked out. Yeah. And if he wasn't leaning back, and if it just fell backwards, I would have lost my freaking head. So. I mean, but we all also know, like, based on levels of sensitivity, you your body reacts first. Yes. So it could be that whole like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I'm leaving. Yeah. And. The Lutzes, they were one of, like, the first, like, really highly publicized, like, hauntings. Mm -hmm. And they had some serious backlash that really isn't seen with other movies. And people try and say that they did it for the money. But they, they lost all of their stuff because they left. And the one place we found, it says they only made $300,000. Compared to the millions that the people up in Hollywood made. Okay. That's not worth it. They lost everything. And they... George and Kathy ended up getting a divorce. And the entire family is labeled as liars. And... Like, that is just an awful thing. And, like, the kids, like, still have, like, that They have to still... They, like... They're still dealing with it. Like, Danny was saying, like, people don't even know his name. They call him the name of the characters in both the um, Amityville Horror movies. People go, hey, like, I don't know what his name is, but, like, hey, Michael. Like, he's like, that is not not my name. name. So, I mean, and these people are pretty, I mean, they're, I mean, how old are, I don't know what years they were born, but they're not young people. And they're, this is still haunting them to today. So, would you really... Okay. How much money are you going to make off a... And at the time, it was just a book. They agreed to do the book deal. Off a book, which is going to be criticized, how much money are you going to make on a book and destroy your whole family? And they were constantly going back to court. Yes. To try and protect their family, the copyrights. So, I would say they almost... They probably lost money. Is their name even on the book? I don't think it's even like J. Uh, is Aspen? Anson. Ans- it's not even like J. Anson and George and Kathy Lutz. No. They, so I don't even know. And the book is based on a true story. It's Yes, the book is based loosely on the true story. Obviously, there's some embellishment. It makes a book better. I'm sorry, guys. That's just, that's how it goes. And they even say that the entire book is not true. They, oh, people involved, I know the Lutzes and the Warrens have, will tell you the book is not true. There's elements of the book that are true, but the whole thing, no. Like, 
The it's window never broke. The priest was not attacked by the flies. Like, there's just a lot of things that were very embellished. Mm-hmm. And they which, admit that. Which I would like to talk about. You you have seen The Conjuring. The second one. The second one. Okay, well, I've seen the first one about the Perrin family. I've also read um, Andrea Perrin is the oldest daughter in the Perrin family. I've read her book. Okay. Which is not fabricated at all. And I've also, it was a big deal when The Conjuring came out, because like I said, I love Ed and Lorraine Warren. Sorry for the, those of you who don't love them, because I love them. Okay, so, and I've been watching interviews with Andrea and Lorraine, and them saying that, yes, there was fabrication involved, it makes a better movie. People like that. They like, they liked people like to be scared. Mm-hmm. I personally don't, but if I'm going to watch a documentary, I'm all down for it. But I don't want to watch a horror movie. See, I like the true horror movies, like The Conjuring. I loved The Conjuring. But at the same time, like, I was telling Kelly, um, Mrs. Parent never harmed those children. But in the movie, they portray her as trying to kill the youngest kids. She never harmed those children. She loved her kids. You can watch interviews with them. She never harmed them. But it makes a better movie. Also, can we talk about why? This story, just like the, the just like the conjuring story, gets so much hate. Because it's almost like people don't want to believe it. I think it's hard, exactly. I think it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard to come to grips that something horrible could have happened and I don't think they've even said everything that's happened in their house. Probably not. They've just kind of gave like the general overview of like the most common things that happen. I'm sure there were a lot of isolated incidents. And we're not going to know. But unless my whole thing is unless you have lived through that or something similar, it's not fair for you to judge them and call them a liar. Because you, you weren't in that house. And that was one thing we discussed. We don't know what happened with the DeFeos. We don't know what happened with the Lugasids. We obviously weren't there. We know what we have read time and time again that match. And we can talk and we can speculate what happened, but we cannot pass judgment or accuse people of lying. No. I think that about wraps things up. Yeah, so let's, this is our salad for this week. So Liz, would you like to add some toppings? I would love to add some toppings. That's something good that happened this week. Um, I'm going to say that my good thing is that my family has been sick, very sick, and now we are all healthy. We all have good, clean bills of health, which is very fortunate. So I'm just happy for my family being healthy again. How about you, Kelly? What's your mm. toppings? I I mean, as boring as this was, I've been filling out paperwork for a new job that I get to start at the end of the month. So I am very excited, and on top of all that, I get to go to the beach this weekend. Yes. And Kelly's a recent graduate, so it's her first real job, and she's all excited. I get real money. I get to be an adult. I'm very (laughs) excited, too. So I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Our first episode. I know. We finished our first episode. So we are going to try and do this weekly, bi-weekly. We're going to see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We both are in store from some major life changes, which we will probably share more later. But until next time, guys, enjoy your salad. Bye.